Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Sometimes uh, at our house, if uh, someone's coming over, we clean the house. Um, we make special food. Uh, we prepare for their arrival so that when, the, when they get there, our time together can be what we want it to be. Uh, all throughout the Bible, God, when he was going to meet with his people, he, he would want them to do things to get ready to prepare for his arrival so that when he actually showed up, that the time to, their time together could be special or it could be, it could, uh, it could be what they intended it to be. They could, it, could be, it could be a great time together. Uh, <clears throat> God, God would want to, uh, to do that. Um, he'd want to do great things in their lives, but would, you know, would they be ready for him to do it? And I, th- I think that's that, that when, when Christians celebrate Easter, they want it to be a special time. They want it to be this great moment of, of renewal or remembering Jesus' resurrection. They, they want it to be something special. Um, it's, it's, and obviously so much so, many of us know people who only go to church on Easter or on Christmas. And when they show up, they want it to be something spectacular, something amazing. Uh, <clears throat> One way to, to make certain that Easter is what we would like it to be is for us to prepare, uh, prepare for it, to prepare to celebrate it so that no matter what happens on here, on stage or whatever, it's irrelevant really to what Christ is doing in your heart. We talked about one way we can do that though, um, to prepare for that, to prepare for Easter is confession, um, is, is the, the, the discipline of confession. Last week I asked you, you to practice confession to God, certainly, and to at least one other person. Um, and if you didn't try it, I want to ask you to try it. Um, I want to ask you to do it. Um, I, 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 I did, I, I feel like I'm not done <laughs> um, working through some, some confessing that I need to do. Um, but as I, was, you know, as I was thinking about confessing to the Lord that, you know, it's, uh, it's, some anger came up and not that I wouldn't say that anger is a sin in and of itself, but just low level anger that just angry things don't go my way and angry that, uh, that God doesn't do always do what I want him to do. Uh, pride, things that, you know, things that I need to deal with and, and I'm saying them out loud to you so that, uh, I can have accountability that I, that, I'll, that I will take care of it. I will, will make moves with it. And I think that by doing that, it can make me more ready to, to celebrate Easter. And maybe, maybe some of you guys are thinking, I'm not doing that. I Thank you. That, that's nice. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Why? You know, or maybe you're asking why you should do it. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. When you practice spiritual disciplines, you make space for the Holy Spirit to do in you what you would like it to do. Um, you, you make space for the Holy Spirit to do in you, to, to, to make you more like Christ. Um, that's what the disciplines do. Um, and when you ignore them, there's no space. There's no space for that, for that to happen. Uh, you go about, we all go about our days doing our thing and the Holy Spirit wants to prepare you for the arrival of Christ in the celebration we call Easter.
And doesn't the world need that now? Doesn't the world need that? Doesn't the world need people who have actually met with Jesus? Who've actually been with Jesus um, and, and, and are going out into the world? You know, so, so many people, and you guys know that, I don't like to use the word Christian. Um, so many people say they're a Christian or they're spiritual. Or, and, and I don't... I, I, was, I want to make sure I say this right. Uh, what I was going to say is, I don't think the world needs more Christians or certainly not more people who are just saying they're Christians. The world needs people who have met with Jesus. I have met with Jesus. I know him. And that, that's certainly far, far different from what we, what we normally experience in regards to people who go to church or who say they're spiritual, who say they're a Christian. People who've met with Jesus, that's different. It's different. And, and, and if, if we've actually met with Jesus, eventually it'll, you know, people will find that out. People will find that out about us. So after Jesus had been crucified and risen from the dead, two of his closest followers were out in public talking about him, um, talking boldly about him. Let me read this to you. It says this. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up, to, came up to Peter, Peter and John, while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And we need to pause. Before I go on, we need to pause right here. And I've talked with some of you guys about this before, about the fact that these guys, these, these guys, that, this little intro that they just did, um, Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all these guys in the pre, high priest, these are the guys who made sure Jesus was brutally murdered and crucified. And they show up in the room together and they've got their robes on. They walk in and they're, they're staring Peter and John down. And they're, they're, what they're, it's not an accident that all these guys are together again. What they're saying is, we crucified Jesus and we'll crucify you too. So you better shut up. Got it? And that's why they're asking, they're asking, they show up in the room and they're asking a question they already know the answer to. What they're saying though is, is that you've got a chance to back off of what you've been saying. You've got a chance to, to, to say, yeah, well, we don't really mean it, oh, guys. We were just playing. They're saying, by what power, or what name did you do this? Do you think they don't know the answer to that question? They know the answer to that question, but what they're saying is they're, th they're basically threatening them. They're threatening them like, like a mob boss or something like that. And so, you know, now, if Peter and John are religious or spiritual or if they're Christians, this is where it will come out, right? This is where it's going to come out. Every single person who, who 
who are, are coming to a point like this is going to come out. It's going to come out. If that's who Peter and John are, they will back down and they will say, oops, sorry, we must have made some kind of mistake or, or this, this, this is a test. This is a test. This is a test. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. So, so tell us, by what power or what name did you guys do this? And they, and they lean in staring them down. Basically, I dare you to say Jesus. I dare you. And this is how they respond. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you are being, if we are being called out to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, salvation is found and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Listen, the world needs people who have actually met with Jesus. And they can tell. They can tell by our boldness, by their humility, by their commitment to the truth, by their willingness to suffer when necessary. I want us to be those people. And Easter is coming a time when Jesus followers all over the world celebrate Christ's resurrection. I want us to prepare to come together to meet with him in a unique way that day. Uh, and not just, not because of, not because of the great songs that are going to happen or the sermon, but because Jesus and you have already done the work that's necessary for you to meet with him. So last week we talked about confession. Confession's where it begins. Like John said, sin and God are, but confession brings us together. Confession brings us together. When we confess that we have darkness in us, he needs to make, that he needs to make right. We show up and we say, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, what, I did it again. Confess your sins to Christ. Confess to another person. Both of those are commands from God. So <clears throat> I often share with you that, uh, that one of the ways that we show love for Christ is by doing what he says. He says, if you love me, do what I say. Do what I say. <laughs> do what I say. So if you haven't listened to last week's message, go back and listen. I'd love for you to get your, get your thoughts on it, get you, get you to actually be motivated to, to do that. This week, I want to share with you um, 
uh, Chris, Chris already said, I want to share with you a little bit about seeking God's guidance together, uh, seeking God's guidance personally, and then seeking God's guidance as a church. Um, I, I want to share with you a little bit about that. And um, let me read this quote to you from pastor and author Richard Foster. He says, um, in our day, all heaven and earth are waiting on the edge of their seats for the emergence of a spirit-led people, people who are led by the spirit. Which is obviously, if you're a Jesus follower, that's what we, we want or we claim to be. Or we, but we don't, we don't have enough space to really be led by the Spirit. The world is watching for a disciplined, joyful, Spirit-filled, crucified people who, who know the way, the truth, and the life. They've met with the way, the truth, and the life. The world is watching for people who've been with Jesus. And one of the ways that they see that is a people who are committed to be guided by him in everything he says, everything he says. So I don't have a ton, a ton of time, so I want to I spend most of it talking about something called corporate guidance that I'll explain in a moment. But let me just say a few things about personal guidance and what I mean by that. Um, I mean, when you wake up in the morning asking the question, what does Christ want from me today? What does Christ want from me right now? How does he want me to decide on this, this decision in my life right now? So once when Jesus was praying, he's praying out loud and his followers are around him. After he gets done praying, his followers ask him, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Those of you guys who have been Jesus followers for most of your life, I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to think about this. What would someone have to do in order for you to be with them? You're standing around and they're praying. And when they get done praying, what would someone have to do for you to, at the end of their prayer to come over them and be like, hey, um, would you teach me to pray? These guys have been praying their whole lives. But Jesus is praying in a way that they're not familiar with. Jesus does something that they, that is so different that they ask him, we, all the praying that we've been doing our whole lives, we haven't known what we're doing. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. There is something that they heard in Jesus' prayers that they did not have. So here's how Jesus replied to them. This is what he says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Obviously, um, this is the Lord's Prayer. Some, sometimes people use it word for word and that, that, that can be appropriate, but I, I think that Jesus might have, might have meant for you to use it word for word, but not exclusively. Jesus had met with his father, and so this is how he prayed. Make his name holy, bring your kingdom, and your will be done right here, right now. 
When we look for his guidance, this is where we start. This is how it starts. Uh, and, and most of the praying that we do, obviously, is built around getting our own way or getting what we want or something's pressing on us that we, we'd like to have done. And most certainly, it's okay for, for uh, you to ask God for what you want. It's fine. Jesus told us to ask for that. <clears throat> when you've actually met Jesus, though, when... When you meet with him, it transforms your prayers to something different. Can you imagine asking for the exact same things that, that, that normally we pray for after meeting Jesus face to face? Like after you see him face to face, you think you're going to pray the same? You ask for the same things? Like for me personally, I'm asking for like my taxes to go through smoothly. That's fine to ask for, right? But like, there's going to be like most of my prayer that's focused on taxes. And then I might say, okay, and your, your kingdom come and that stuff too. <laughs> and maybe if I met with him, those would flip flop, right? <laughs> maybe I would spend, maybe seeking his guidance begins with God I'm here for what you want to get done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So what, what I'm asking you to do is this. This is what I'm asking you to do for your personal guidance. Where, what does God want from you? Or what, is he, what, what does he want for you next? Or what, what, this week, what I want to ask you to do is start your prayers like this. Start your prayers like this. God, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And you pause. You give him some. You give him some time to let. To, what does that mean? Would you? Would you just give me? Some, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some space to just show me what that means. And maybe you'll hear. Maybe there's something you'll hear, but maybe there's nothing you'll hear. But you've given him space to tell you your marching orders for that moment, for that day. And again, for, for, if you're like me, I'm like five years ahead. I'm like, what does God want me to do five years from now? And God's like, I don't care. I'm not talking about, I, here's what I want you to do right now. You're not even doing that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Guide me, show me. Holy Spirit, show up and show me. Show up and show me. If God wanted you to talk to your neighbor today, could he count on you to have space where you could hear him say that to you? Could he? When you're seeking God's guidance, let, let, let me bring this up to you. Let me bring this up to you. In your life, who's a Jesus follower? You, obviously, think about this in your mind. Who's a Jesus follower you respect? Someone you look at and you say, now there's somebody who has met with Jesus. There's somebody who's met with Jesus. Bring up one person like that in your mind. When you're seeking God's guidance, involve that person in the conversation. 
Again, so obviously in, in pastor world, in, in worship pastor world, we, don't, we get it. We're going to bring up things to you and you're going you're gonna to be like, I'm, a, I'm not going to do that. Or I intend to do that and then you don't do it. Let me ask you this though. Let me ask you this. Do you want your plans to succeed? If you're a normal human being, then you would say yes to that. So listen to this. This is interesting. Plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, hmm, they succeed. The wisest person of all time wrote this. So it makes sense to listen to him. What I'm saying is this. Celebrating Easter might mean much more to me if I'm willing to die to myself and live for his will. And and, and what I'll confess to you is this. I live more closely to his will when I involve other people who are living closely to his will too, or at least intending to live closely to his will. When I involve people that love me and love Christ in my decision-making, I live more closely to his will. And we are so stubborn. We insist on doing things alone or going it alone. But if I'm making a decision about a job or a promotion or marriage or what school I should go to or where I should live or whatever, what would it hurt? What would it hurt for, for me to have Jesus followers seeking God's will for me, inviting them into the conversation? And if you think they're wrong, then just don't do it. Just don't do it. If there's, there's something in, in your life that you are praying about or trying to decide about, begin to pray. When you begin your prayers, Father, on this specific thing, your kingdom come. Father, on my taxes, your kingdom come. On, on my job, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, on, this, on Sunday, March 14th, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then ask, ask that person. Ask that one person. And honestly, I wanted to be more than one person, but I'm, I'm sure one person is a stretch for you. So um, ask one person who's clearly been with Jesus to seek God's guidance for you. And, and, he, and, and let's be honest, let's be honest. This is why I don't do this. The, the, the reason why we don't do stuff like this is this. What if they say that I have to do something that I really don't want to do, right? Or what, what if I really want this and then I involve you in the conversation and you say something opposite to that? This is why we don't, it's, I, I, I want to do my thing. And it's too much energy and too much extra effort for me to involve somebody else in the conversation. Um, it's, and it's tragic. It is tragic. And I certainly wonder if you know, I'll get to heaven and the Lord's like, you know, do you remember um, Proverbs 15, 22, Daryl? Like, yeah. Why did you do it? <laughs> Why didn't you do it? Personal guidance. Okay. So now I want to talk to you about corporate guidance. God guiding us together as a church, which is, which is super relevant for us um, as a leader and, and with our elders as during COVID. 
trying, trying, to, trying to guide a church together, get us to act together as one. Hard. <laughs> Hard is probably an understatement. We recently talked about how 34 to 3,500 years ago, Jewish people were slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. They're slaves, and it was unbearable. Um, it, unbearable is probably an understatement. So they asked God to bless them and help them. And I don't know what they expected to happen when they're asking God for this, um, but God sent them a guy named Moses and his brother Aaron to, to deliver them out of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron show up and, they, and as soon as they get there, they, they, get, they get Israel's leaders together and, they, and they're, they're trying to explain to them, hey guys, God's come to us and we're here to rescue you. And they convince the leaders to leave Egypt for freedom. And when we read that in the Bible, I mean, we, you just take that for granted. You, you know, taking back your freedom is dangerous business, dangerous thing. Think, think about how dangerous it was for, for black folks to, to, in our country to gain their freedom. Think about the, their fight for freedom, um, underground railroads, the civil rights, just, just so dangerous, so dangerous. Moses was trying to convince a whole nation of people to run for their lives into the desert for their freedom. And, and how many people were talking about it's unclear. Some, some historians think like 30,000, some think 3 million. Um, so either way, either way, it's, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a ton of people to get convinced of anything, to convince of anything. If, if I tried... <laughs> If I tried, just the people in this room, if I tried to get us to agree about where to go to lunch together after this. Some people wouldn't go. Some people wouldn't like where I picked. Um, God uses Moses to guide the Israelites out of slavery together as one people. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can appreciate the power of that convincing 30,000 people to do the same thing. And they're not, and it's, it's not just a diff, groups of different people all going in the same direction. They were coming out as one unit under God's guidance. That's so powerful. They were people under the rule of God, under, under the will of God. And God wanted the world to be astonished and take note that these guys have met with God. These guys have met with God. And part of it was their willingness to put themselves under his guidance together as one people. So when they showed up out in the desert as one people, it was, it was saying something to the rest of the world. Moses got them to put themselves under God's guidance together as one people. Fast forward 1,500 years, and you see the early church doing the same thing. Um, people gather together to find out God's will for their lives, together as a unit. And the church was born, um, and people gave their lives for it. And together they fought to figure out God's will for their church. Um, and and it, wasn't just, it wasn't just, what's God's will for me and my family? And they were fighting to figure out, what's God's will for us? and so much hung in the balance by the decisions that they made. And again, 
the world was astonished by these people. And people took note. Those guys have met with Jesus. Those guys have been with Jesus. Before Jesus died, he said this to his followers. He said this, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. We should pause and just say, do you believe that? Do you think that that is true? For where two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. Do you think that that's true? Jesus was leaving their physical presence and wouldn't be with them. And so surely his fellows are saying, they're thinking, how are we going to know what to do, Jesus? If you're not here, how are we going to know how to make decisions or what to do? And Jesus was giving his followers assurance and authority. He's saying, he's saying, be confident when two or more gather as my church in my name, my will can be known. His will plus the church's unity equals authority. And obviously the problem in Christian world and in our, in our culture is churches, we can't agree on where to go out to lunch, let alone where, where our church should go or what we should do together. This is what I mean by corporate guidance, that, that in your hearts and in your minds, that what our church does matters enough to you where you're like, I'm going to seek the Lord about this. I want, to, I, want to know what, I want to know what God wants for us to do. And I'm invested enough where I'm going to, I'm going to share it. And, and, and think about this, think about this. Certainly, we're all part of groups like this. You're, you're a part of some group, maybe at, at school or at work or something like this, and they bring up the, you know, someone from your leadership or your work or whatever, your community, they bring up something, they say, okay, hey, everybody, we're doing this in our community. We're doing this at our work. And you don't agree with it and you don't really like it, but honestly, you don't care. You're like, whatever. I'm not that invested and I don't really care that much. You just go along with it. And, and, and honestly, you know, you, you, you go along with it, but I mean, you're not, you don't do anything to help it or what, you know, you just go along with it, right? And obviously you can't be invested in everything and you're, we'd be exhausted. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm bringing up to you. Here's what I'm saying to you. When Jesus says this thing about us agreeing about anything we ask for and it being done for the, by, by the Father, he means that we as a church come to the table invested in what, what does God want? What is his will for this church right now? His will plus our unity on his will equals authority. Next week, I want to talk to you about where our church elders and I are thinking our church needs, needs to go for our next steps. And these are small steps. Um, these are, you know, again, the, they're things that we can do, you know, 
next, next, next few months. And honestly, most of it, most of it are, are things we need to return to that, you know, we've done in various ways in the past, but it's kind of a recommitment to them. And, and, and honestly, there are some tweaks to it that are, that are a little bit different. But honestly, I want, you, I want you to be engaged. Let's seek God's will together for our church. And may, maybe, maybe you have something to offer that our leadership hasn't, think, hasn't thought of. But we'll never get to hear it unless you're engaged in, in, in the, the, the church life with us. I don't want us to be a, a gathering of, of individuals who happen to go, be going the same direction and only on Sunday mornings. I want us to be a people under the rule of God, under the will of God together. And then our unity together will bring that that authority that we want. Um, We do that. When we do that, the world will be astonished. You say, you know, those guys, they've been meeting with Jesus. I'm I'm not too clear about who he is or if I like him or not, but I sure do know that that's different than what I normally, they've met with Jesus. So, personal guidance. Seek God's will by beginning your prayers with Father, Holy Father who's in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Focus on what that might be. And then you can bring up, you can get to the things that you and you and I, we all want. Awesome. Bring another person into that conversation. corporate guidance. Maybe you've not even given any thought to what the Lord wants to do in this church family. I pray that you will seek what his will is for our church family. I'll share what I'm thinking next week. And uh, maybe you, uh, you'll be able to add to that conversation. Let's pray together and uh, you'll be dismissed. Dear father, uh, You are in heaven, we're on earth. You see everything and you get everything. You are the, the beginning and the end. And so you know how all this is gonna go already. So wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense for us to submit to your will, to do it your way, since you already see it? And so we wanna come to you acknowledging that you are holy, you are set apart from us. We want to say your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, personally and corporately. Guide us. We want your guidance. We want you to show us. I pray that if there are folks in our church family who have not spent any time confessing, that their estrangement that they've, they've, they, they have in their relationship with you, that they would do that this week. They would spend time seeking you, confessing their sins so that, so that there can be uh, a renewal of that relationship. And then I pray that they would seek you for this church family. Uh, clearly, I, I am not smart enough to know what our church family should do apart from you. But with you, with the Holy Spirit, we can see good things happen in your name that we'll be proud of a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. 
I pray that our, our, our church family, you would guide us together as one. And that your will plus our unity will equal authority. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us this week. Um, and thanks for those of you guys who've been here in person. Love you. Have a, have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.